0: This is Father Gregory Pine. And this is Father Joseph Anthony Cress,
1: and welcome to God's Planning. Thanks to all those who support the podcast. If you enjoy the show, please consider making a monthly donation on Patreon. Be sure to like and subscribe Godspl- to God's Planning wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, Father Joseph Anthony. Uh, this episode is due to air in Oof. the month of March. Oh, um, nice. And we are. In a month at present, which is not March, but no. not too terribly far from March. Yeah, close enough. Um, we recently had a common experience where we were at Seek in yep. uh, St. Louis. Mm-hmm. So with a big squad of oh, friends yeah. uh, and family. Thousands of our um, bestest
0: friends. <laughs> uh, any any highlights for you? Oh, I was a thousand percent living my best life. <laughs> <laughs> I love that environment. I love just it's, it's a beautiful like family reunion, you know, um, Everybody's coming off of Christmas and New Year's, so there's a high energy going on. But it's like a chance to reconnect with all of uh, my friends and the campus ministry world and, and people that I collaborate with and things like that. Everybody just is in one place. So I like to say it's a little bit of time with a lot of bit of people. And it's just like, hey, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah OK, OK. But just to have that kind of FaceTime one on one changes it all. And I know that like some of my other friends are like, Yeah, my my quality time person is just dying right <laughs> now. I just want to have quality time with everybody. And I was like, Yeah, I just I just want to get that little bit of FaceTime and, and connect because everybody off is off doing their right things, busy things, and there's just a lot happening. But I love that environment. Um, I love everything that that was going on there. Uh, big shout out to Focus for being able to host that and commit to such a large event every year and mm. to facilitate that and give us the space as priests and religious and, and things like that to have that opportunity. But yeah, I was, I was in the zone. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I forget
1: who it was, but one of the brothers said, uh, as you see a bunch of these, you know, kind of introvert type Dominicans, mm-hmm. like crawling to the finish line, limping to the finish line. I think it was father Edmund McCullough mentioned this. Yeah. He's like, Father Joseph Anthony, man, he gets stronger and stronger <laughs> with each passing day. It's, it's true. like from strength to strength. So kudos to you, man. Yeah. Um, I, too, was there. We were there. And uh, it was great to do the podcast together, which yeah. was sweet. That yeah, was a yeah. kind of high moment. Um, there was a great squad from UVA. So your students turned out, and they are super – yeah, they were super – pumped and they're super supportive which is cool
0: i think their entire goal was to break me (laughs) though like they're making faces they're doing like tiktok dances in the background or whatever just to like make me laugh but it was it was it was good i loved loved every moment
1: of it yeah so again shout out to uh spoke street kyle hyman and squad who uh brought together that recording booth studio Mm -hmm. um it was certainly the most plush Furniture-wise, of any environment in which we have recorded a podcast. (laughs) So we're usually on um, hardback chairs, which may or may not squeak, you know, in a position of Uh, relative discomfort so as to ensure that the audio track does not betray our otherwise incommodious environment. But, yep, Spoke Street, kudos. You guys crushed Mm it. Um, Yeah, I, too, Enjoyed very much just the opportunity to visit with a lot of people in rapid succession. Mm -hmm. Although there were a couple of moments where I had, you know, like longer conversations, which was cool. So it was nice to frame the flurry of activity with some more dedicated combos. You have
0: a ridiculous stride, though. Like when you're walking with purpose, (laughs) which is just like, whoa, whoa. You can cover so much ground. And like in that area, you have to cover a lot of ground. Huge convention center, huge dome. and, And you got to get from point A to point B, and they're very far away. And you just glide so mm. there were points where i just saw you like hovering over people just <laughs> but like that big stride going i'm like that's my boy over there yeah <laughs> yeah.
1: no so th- i mean you're when you're in a sea of 17,000 people who want to grow in their catholic faith everyone's got questions yeah and everyone's got you know something to contribute or something to offer and so you're often trying to go from a to b and they're just a gauntlet of people between yep. you and a yep. and you don't want to look at people as obstacles they're not obstacles they're sweet opportunities in which to Encounter the Lord and each other. But sometimes Um, you
0: got to hip-check them out of the way.
1: But sometimes you got to get from A to B. So I usually communicated (laughs) that by the fact that I was doing something short of a run. Um, (laughs) Although Olympic race walking has always been uh, a kind of aspiration of mine. So without the too much hip movement, that gets a little weird. Um, But that's not the point. No. Uh, That's not the purpose of this episode. The purpose of this episode, as you have seen when you clicked on it, gentle listener, is Our Screens Are Souls. The idea here being that we live in the 21st century, Mm -hmm. technology is picking up speed, and we are put through a series of kind of environmental evolutions. And the question is, are our minds and hearts able to keep pace? And are we able to live our Christian lives in the midst of a rapidly changing world? That Mm -hmm. sounds like the way that Carl Sagan might introduce a kind of science video, probably on a laser disc. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, we kind of find ourselves surrounded by these different technological advances. And the question is, how do we interact with them? So we've got options, you know, you've Mm -hmm. got the Luddite on the one end of the spectrum who says destroy it all, disengage, unplug, okay. Uh, That that may be an option for certain people, especially if you're kind of recovering from technology-based addictions, okay, good. And then you have people who try to limit their use of the technology as much as possible. So you have like the wise phone, which is a smartphone, so that way you don't entirely frustrate your friends, but it's as dumb as can be, or just the dumb phone option itself. And then you got the people who are like, all right, we're probably going to be, for the most part, in step with our contemporaries, but we're just going to try to use it virtuously yeah. insofar as that's possible. And then you have the other people who are like, you know, I'm going to be like all nations. I'm not really going to think about my consumption of entertainment or my use of technology. I'm just going to kind of get washed along. So I suspect that we're probably going to counsel something in the middle. Yes. Right. So maybe not rule out this option, the Luddite option, but probably rule out the Like Other Nations option and counsel something in the midst. So as you consult your experience, you think about your conversations with your students, what are some of the first steps that you take in managing this conversation?
0: I think the first steps that we take is to recognize that this is a problem. Like we have <laughs> to, we have to be able to admit like that our technology, uh, whether it's a smartphone or tablets and, and uh, YouTube on laptops or things like that, like these things have become uh, more controlling of our daily experience than anything else. And so to say like, that's probably not a good thing. And we have to uh, be aware of the influence that the screen has on our daily life. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be able to kind of step back and say like, okay, let's maybe do an honest evaluation of how I'm using screens in my daily life. it's probably a few years now. Uh, I think Apple came up with that update where they give you a report at the end of the week. They tell you how much screen time you use. Mm -hmm. Like that was a great introduction because I don't think people realize how much time they're using on their, their screens, how many hours a day or things like that. And for some people it was really shocking to hear. And I remember them like, Oh, that's absurd. I don't want that. What do I do now? Mm -hmm. So I think the first thing that we look at is like, okay, how, how, is my daily life like run, you know, how, how am I working? How am I leisuring? How am I encountering people, um, in the modes in which I'm doing that? Is it facilitated through my phone or is the phone then, um, this kind of substitute for a daily uh, experience? Mm-hmm. And so am I living vicariously in these other You know sectors of life or different places but am i doing it through this screen or is that a a help a a facilitator to something deeper and greater Mm -hmm. so i think it's like starting to replace that um to recognize the control that our screens have on us and then to try to claw back some of our authority over that and to claw back a little bit of the control that we should have in that way I mean, the reality is, I know we all have control issues, right? But for the one thing is, it seems like the screens, a lot of, vast number of people are allowing screens to control them. Mm -hmm. Where the rest of their life, they're trying to exert control. And maybe this is one area where we should be in control of things. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so maybe one way we could
1: approach it is to think about our lives as human beings. All right, So there are kind of biological, physical dimensions, emotional dimensions, intellectual kind of thought world, psychological dimensions, and then maybe spiritual dimensions. Those are all enmeshed, right? Those are all bound up together. It's not like we can make of the human being a kind of layer cake, but as a way of organizing things, just think about our our engagement with technology in the most kind of basic physical level. So there's the fact that a backlit screen is attractive. Yeah, It's alluring. Uh It draws your attention. When we were talking recently to uh, Rob Kazmark at yep. Spirit Juice Studios. He was talking about framing shots for the video version of the podcast, and he was saying your eye is just naturally drawn to the brightest thing. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason for which you try to foreground a speaker in a shot and frame it such that your eye is drawn to the person who's speaking. Right. But so too with our screens, you're going to bed, the lights are off, you're yep. looking at your screen, yep. it's the only bright thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's it's going to draw your attention. It's going to command your attention. It's going to engross you. All right? So that's that's just like something to know. And then there are ways in which we try to address this, the kind of sepia tone or the black and white yeah, or yeah, yeah. making your phone as um, as kind of bland as possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think here the concern is that if we're always recollected or if we're always turned towards our phone, then it's going to become the center of our life. Yes. Right. And we experience this in very basic ways. You know, you're out to dinner, you look over, there's a family there, all four members of the family are on their phones. And it's like, have you have you done anything human? Yeah. or have you just been the slave thereof? So, okay, like thinking about it, just kind of in this simple physical, biological level, what are some ways in which we get recollected and how we interact, and uh, may- maybe how do we start to to carve out a little bit of space?
0: Yeah, I think that's that's the aspect that there are there are a number of studies that are being either being currently done right now or have recently come out talking about the the addictive nature of our screens and the addiction of um, how screens kind of hijack the brain and they, you know, target different dopamine receptors and things like that to kind of keep this engagement and keep us locked into this uh, way. But so how do we do that? I, I think there, there's a way to, um, I think first to evaluate how, where do we need technology? Mm-hmm. Where do we want it? Mm-hmm. Right. And where, do, where do we really need it? Um, there are certain, you know, areas of our life where, um, you know, depending on what our profession is or occupation, like we're, we're going to have to be in, in direct contact at a moment's notice. And so we have to have the phones on us, right? We have to have the notifications going nonstop. Um, but can you turn that off? Right? The, I think, uh, utilizing the do not disturb functions, utilizing um kind of a shutdown period of things. I think is really, really important to start to evaluate and say, okay, I need my phone, I need my screen in this sector of my life, but it's not necessary over here. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna to have to protect that. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's my leisure, right? Maybe I start turning towards physical books, reading more fiction, I don't know, detective novels would be a, an interesting <laughs> option to throw out there. Um and there might be another way. Do I need to then uh, step away from a virtual engagement mm-hmm. and into a natural area? Maybe I go hiking and make sure that I'm touching nature. I'm involved. I can feel the breeze. I can smell um, you know, the, the nature in, in all of its capacities. So to start to evaluate the, the differences between, okay, I do need this aspect of it. But i don't need all that it offers me because it's going to invade my life so Mm -hmm. then i have to protect certain areas so i think one one important area is to protect your bedroom Mm -hmm. right to really be intentional about how you use screens in in your bedroom to you be intentional in different rooms of your house Mm -hmm. you know okay this is where you know in my office i want to use it and that but maybe not at the dinner table yeah. you know, and so that we can start to set up certain boundaries for this so that we can protect our life. But also then that gives us the freedom that if, okay, if I'm at work and I'm in my office, then I can go full, full bore on that and not feel like it's always this um, dark cloud that's always kind of hovering over us and trying to invade. It's like, nope, that's not the space. So doing some intentionality, doing an honest reflection about that, um, and then allowing it to be in those proper places. Okay.
1: So a couple of concrete things that I'm thinking of just in reaction to what you just described, I think it's good to create some distance, mm-hmm. right? So from your workspace to have some distance uh, from your phone is an intelligent move because otherwise, like you said, you know, we're kind of always checking in and we're kind of enslaved to it. Uh, another good thing is, you know, bounds on the day. Mm-hmm. So there are people who, you know, don't check their phone after 10:30 PM and don't check their phone before 8 AM as a way by which to safeguard sleep, and you know the end of the day and the beginning of the day are especially precious moments to be with the Lord. Um, so there's that. And like when you wake up in the middle of the night, it's a temptation to look at the phone, but that's going to get right. all the blood flowing, and right. it's going to make it really difficult to go back to bed. So maybe to keep your phone off during the night and at a distance from your bed, maybe you have uh, an alarm clock, which tells you what time it is, so that yeah. way you can know how long you have to sleep. And then there's this counsel that I read. I read this book called The TechWise Family and The Crouch Family. Mm-hmm. I think it's... The father wrote most of the book. He said to have an hour a day where you don't use your phone, a day a week where you don't use a phone, and a week a year where you don't use the phone, which is like a kind of retreat. Yeah. 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 And I'm thinking about this, too, with respect to... Um, okay, so the phone, is it's potentially all things. It can become yeah. anything, yeah. right? And because it's so malleable, so adaptable, so whateverable, um, we when we go to it, we kind of go to it aimlessly, mm-hmm. and then it becomes what we want it to, or it becomes... Uh, a kind of satisfaction for our most basic or instinctual desires. Uh, So I think also just having a sense that when you go to your phone, you like you said, you go to it with a purpose, rather than just muddying the waters between want and need, you have a sense of, this is a tool, I'm using a tool for an end, the end is this, and so I'm going to only use it for that
0: end. That is such a great line. I mean, it is really important to recognize that the phones that we have in our pockets are very powerful. They're powerful tools. We can accomplish a lot like there's a lot that can be done with that in, in I mean, there's like very beautiful things. I I can stay in touch. I'm a horrible friend. OK, I'm like <laughs> one of the worst friends out there because I just I don't stay in touch with people and I, I don't know how to connect outside of direct connections. Right. If you're proximate to me, I'm great. If you're remote from me, I'm trash. OK, but. The phone has allowed me to stay in contact with really good people in my life, people who love me and people that I love. And so it's a great tool for that, but it also can be a very, very powerful tool for a tremendous amount of other aspects of, you know, like we talk about techno, technological addictions and, and it becomes so malleable that it can become any kind of tool. Mm-hmm. And so I think the recognition that what we have in our pockets as our cell phones are tools. Mm-hmm. And to start to think about how am I using this tool every day? Like, do I just carry a power drill around me? No, that has a very, very specific purpose. And it stays where I know I can have easy access to Mm -hmm. it. And when I need it, it's there. The battery's charged and I'm ready to go, right? But I I intentionally use that tool for a specific purpose. When I'm done, I put it away. Mm -hmm. So I think if we can start to maybe reframe our work with that instead of, you know, families that I know who, whose kids are young, and they're like, "I just want a cell phone. I want an iPhone." And it's like, "Why?" Mm. And they just feel like they need it. It's, it feels it's this security and comfort blanket of always um, being connected. And I think that may be something that we can talk about a little further on. Is the kind of fallacy of connection mm. versus like relationship? Yeah, yeah. And and what level of connection do we really need? Mm. And does connection also communicate intimacy? And do we overshare via, um, illicit connections? Um, so like just getting back to the, the phrase that you kept saying there is like, okay, to use that tool, use it wisely, but to think about our phones as tools. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, so we're thinking about it now in terms of like the biological, physical, and let's, th- let's kind of ratchet it up. All these things Ooh, blend yeah. together, like we said, totally. but let's talk about yeah, it more yeah. in terms of like emotional, psychological. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about the fact that here we are in 2023 and the incidence of diagnosed mental illness yes. in the United States and beyond is at an all-time high. And in part, that's because of the pandemic. But I think in part, it's because of technological advances, which mm-hmm. we haven't really incorporated into a human culture. So for instance, your phone... It exists for advertising, right? It's, it is a weapon of a consumerist culture, which wants to make us consumerist slaves. So it's always going to be pushing things such that we engage with it more Mm -hmm. because it has its own ends Mm -hmm. and those ends may or may not dovetail Uh with our human ends. There it is. Um, So I'm thinking about this in terms of like our Mm self-understanding and then our connection to other human beings. Um, yeah, maybe when you're when you're talking to some of your students and you're thinking about how they interact with their phones, how they compare themselves to their friends, oh how envy might creep in, stuff like that. What what would be some counsel there?
0: Yeah, it's it's something that's horribly difficult. Um, the the struggles of anxiety, the social status, the social pressures are almost always communicated via digital means. Very rarely are they communicated directly. Mm-hmm. It's almost always in a, in a digital um, medium, and that's really just destructive to the to the human person, the the psyche and the soul. Um, and so that if um, we have to remember that what we are consuming, what we are engaging with does does form us mm-hmm. in our expectations and our ideals and. Um, how we view it gives us the optics through which we engage what is in front of us because we uh, see so much of that if that if the screen becomes 90 percent of what our eyes are looking at then when we look away from it it is the lens through which we see the world Mm -hmm. and and that is very terrifying because there's so many other influences that are shaping that. So our students are, are, um, experiencing that a lot. Um, they, they're imitating, they're impressionable, especially, um, trying to come of age and mature that they look to those things to give them direction. Mm -hmm. And so when we, we have to recognize that like we become very formed by that, which we consume and it, it does shape us. And, um, Especially when we're dealing with people that we don't have, like I was saying, the difference between a connection and a relationship, you know, those are really dangerous areas. if, If somebody who has no concept of who we are, the context in which we live, the circumstances of our family lives and everything like that, and we start to then try to become something else than what we are. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I was recently reading the beginning of a book by Nicholas Carr called The Shallows, and it's just mm. talking about how the internet has affected us as a human culture and as individuals. And he quotes this line from Marshall McLuhan, who taught mm. in Toronto, I think, for a while in the 60s and 70s. That may be wrong, so don't quote me on that as to the exact place where he taught. Uh, but he talks about how the medium becomes the message. Mm-hmm. And the, the technological means shape us. Right. So you know, we're religious. We talk in religious about habits yes. and about form of life. There's the sense that you entrust yourself to a community, you entrust yourself to a form of life, and then it shapes you. yeah, Because it shaped saints in the past, and you have a kind of confidence that it can shape you to be like them in the present. But when we entrust ourselves to our phones, when we entrust ourselves to the technological means, they do shape us, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Like So this idea of kind of curating your experience of life By comparison to how it's going to be shared. So for instance, let's say that you're planning on going hiking on a Saturday. Previously you just went hiking. But now because you bring your phone with you and your Mm -hmm. phone has a high powered camera, and because you have an Instagram account, you're thinking about the way in which you will photograph. So whereas ordinarily you might wake up, you know, for a dude and not shave, or for a gal and not pay too terribly much attention to your hair. Now you pick out that cute hat, which, you know, makes your hair just such. So that way when you do get to the mountaintop and you've you know it certainly brought your sweet Patagonia better sweater which you just purchased for the occasion with the quarter zip right when you take the picture it's going to look better when you post it so now rather than just going on a hike right rolling out of bed having a quick bowl of oatmeal blah right. blah blah thus and such you've you've curated an experience of life in terms of its photographability yes which is a different way of interacting mm-hmm. but that that brings with it all kinds of anxieties and sadnesses and lonelinesses because the, the experience itself is a success or a failure to the degree that it photographs and shares well, mm-hmm. right? To the degree that it is liked and, sh- you know, it's just like, it's, di- it's just very different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's crazy because you start to, um, the, the experience of taking 17 or 18 or 19 or 38 photos in a, in a row and then slapping filters on them, like they they it's, it's communicating the fact that I can always manipulate things. Mm-hmm. And and then you start to engage in, in reality. And when you are faced with something that is maybe non-manipulative, the response is kind of paralysis or, or uh, anger. Mm-hmm. You know, when something outside of your control that you cannot manipulate. And because we've curated experience of I know how to engage with reality so that I can capture it, manipulate it, and present it as likes. But the distance between somebody else viewing that and what actually happened is gigantic. Yeah, yeah. And then there are times where that distance, that chasm evaporates, and I'm face-to-face with something that I cannot manipulate. Maybe it's an illness, maybe it's a sickness, maybe it's death itself. Mm-hmm. And then I'm absolutely paralyzed because of that. Yeah. So maybe,
1: all right, kind of thinking about this, this point here, the the emotional, the psychological, maybe some counsel would be, uh, again, taken from religious life, this idea of cloister, yeah that there yeah, are yeah. places in which you go to be alone with the Lord, and maybe we try to curate a similar experience, I used curate in a negative sense previously, we try to cultivate a similar yeah. experience in life. So there are certain things that we don't photograph, there are certain things that we don't share, like you might have friendships where you know that this person will not post for me and I will not post for her or him mm. um, because we have this kind of agreement, that there's something that we want just to be between us with a kind of sensitivity or intimacy or however you want to describe it. But I think that like to go into certain experiences saying like, I'm not worried about photographing this. I took one picture at Seek and it was of, you know, these parishioners from St. Louis Bertrand whose families I got to know these like just really good squad of kids. Um, And it was awesome. It was great. But I didn't take any. (laughs) I just didn't. Because um, I wasn't whatever. What yeah, is just what it is. Um, but I think that that's good to have a sense of cloister, to have a sense of uh, there are parts of my life which are unshareable. There are parts of my life which are between me and the Lord. There are parts of my life where I don't want to be available. I don't want to be disposable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to be, you know, mm-hmm. callable, contact, etc. You know. So I think that's just a good a good idea to have.
0: Yeah, and I think that. This is where we're going to get. Once again, we're going from one extreme to the extreme. What we're actually suggesting is probably somewhere in the middle. Which yeah. you know, I don't know. Um, what's what's the? Oh gosh, the the virtue that governs like decisions in the moment. Wait a second, is that prudence? <laughs> yeah, yes. there it is. So this <laughs> this demands a lot of prudence check it and a uh, shameless plug there <laughs> but everything that we're talking about you know we, when we're in this gray area like it, we have to be growing in prudence and sometimes we're gonna realize like oh i let this get out of hand now i need to pull it back or whatnot but i think there can be times too it's like don't be afraid that um you know you catch up with a friend take one picture whatever put the phone in the pocket and then be in the moment yeah, yeah. you know this whole, whole aspect like i have to capture every moment i have to you know there are some times that like you can capture that i i know um i've i've had this oh man i've had this uh, experience a number of times and it's beautiful but it's it's also like tragic where be up on the blue ridge mountains watching the sunset and it is spectacular i like that's one of my favorite experiences is just watching the sunset over the blue ridge and the little overlook gets just packed with cars everybody's flooding because it's it's beautiful to watch the divine artist at work On a daily basis and yet it's just filled with screens Mm -hmm. everybody's just trying to capture it on their phones and i have beautiful pictures of sunsets on my phones they're my backgrounds i love it but you recognize that people like they want to catch that moment on a screen but they miss it in their in their totality in their humanity and to to see that it's just it is really tragic to see that this place there's so much effort gone into it to hop in a car and to drive up the parkway and to uh, park at the overlook to get out. And sometimes people bring, you know, snacks and, and they bring their friends and they want to be, but yet the actual real moment there is not shared and it's not actually engaged in or encountered yeah um, because there's this pressure that I have to have a picture of it or it didn't really happen. Mm-hmm. It's like, put your phone away and just be there. And yeah. 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 I
1: um, took a, Hiking camping trip with my sisters and then Father Timothy Danaher before mm-hmm. we entered the order. And at one point, we were in Grand Teton National Park and we saw this grizzly bear who was playing around with elk. He was kind of hurting them in a Ooh. weird, mildly <laughs> aggressive way. And I got out a camera. I mean, it was a time when we had cameras that weren't our phones. And I got out a camera to take a picture of it. And he just, he just like lowered my hand and just said, just see it. Yeah. And he went for like the grizzly bear went for it, and three seconds later, it was gone. So, had I tried to take a picture of it, I would have missed it. Different than a sunset, but I, I, I've I've returned to that thought. You know, just just see it. Yeah. You know. Um, okay, so we're coming to the end of the episode, and Ooh. we want to get to the the height of this hierarchy, or to the the summit of this hierarchy, namely, in our relationship with God. And the point that I just want to make is that we're called to a contemplative vocation. Yeah, right? we're called to know the truth about God and to revel in His love and we mount to those heights by lives of prayer and study, but just more generally by, by paying attention. Mm-hmm. Luigi Giussani says that uh, rationality is an attentiveness to reality and the totality of its factors. Um, but that means that we're, we're receptive, right? Yeah. We're actively receptive, but receptive nonetheless. And I just want to highlight the fact that oftentimes when we engage with technology, we do so with a kind of disposition of use or even of domination. This is a point that Martin Heidegger made in the beginning, uh, well, mid-20th century. So there's this tendency to to use the things to manipulate the things which you can access by technological means. And so this might be a reason for which you will choose a real book rather than a, a digital book or this might be the reason for which you choose to pack your bravery on a trip yep. rather than just use i because if you're always engaged with God through the means which are ordinarily deployed to use or to dominate that can really muddy the waters. So I just want to yeah just offer this point that it's a, it's a it's a contemplative disposition which we're trying to cultivate in our relationship with God and sometimes technology complicates
0: that. But you have your perspective. No, I, I think it's you're you're paint, painting that picture really beautifully because we we do have a contemplative uh, vocation, um, and our primary disposition is that of reception, right? And I think um, if, for men that tends to be a little more. Um, Uh, a little more difficult to overcome because we want to be active, we want to be doing things and whatnot, but our primary disposition is that of reception. And what we don't see quite often is that technology, phones, screens, see that truth, see that reality, and exploit exploit it all Mm -hmm. the way through. And so now when somebody's engaged in a screen, they are receiving. They're rendered not just receptive, but totally passive. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's something to be very dangerous, that is dangerous and something to be very weary of. The fact that we are, in that sense, receiving what the screen is giving to us, but to such an extent that we're no longer engaged. In a contemplative disposition, we are receiving, but this active reception, right, in, in contemplation to receive how the Lord communicates to us. And so to see the screens have taken that truth and that reality and exploited it to uh, consumerist means or vicious uh, means in in whatever ways. So it's not necessarily something where we have to, I think, um, try to create ourselves to be something else. It's like, no, we have the it's 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 in our nature and who we are we just have to kind of redirect that to understanding and allowing it to be its true flourishing but in that relationship with god in in reality mm-hmm. right yeah, and yeah. to say like no i'm actually this is part of my human nature is to receive first mm-hmm. right we love because god has first loved us and to not allow that to be hijacked or uh, exploited by a screen yeah yeah yeah
1: it's it's kind of like schizophrenic almost. On the one hand, it leads to this overuse or over-manipulation. On the other hand, it leads to this overpassivity and a kind of evacuation of your agency as a human person. So as we often you know, recommend, yeah. just by, by way of kind of parting note or final thought, we're trying to cultivate virtues which right, help right, right. us to encounter God and the other in a way that builds up the kingdom, that mm-hmm. redounds to His glory and to our salvation. And you can highlight many virtues in this regard, but like temperance was one that comes to mind and yep. uh, studiousness rather than cur- you know, curiosity, curiosity which yeah. is just like checking into whatever the heck, because why not? But one that I want to highlight too is patience because patience helps the heart to endure the sadness and difficulty mm-hmm. of human life and to see it through with perseverance, which is another related virtue. And I think that maybe a, a simple recommendation, uh, by way of final thought, is that when you're tempted to break out your phone or to consult technology or use technology as a way by which to alleviate some of the difficulty of life or some of the sadness of your human experience, I think that's a moment in which to be recollected in your relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Like, So you're forced to wait because a friend is late or you're caught in traffic or you're um, whatever, you're in a long line at the supermarket. And the the instinct is to go for your phone to what mm-hmm. maybe just catch up with email or read that article about whatever sports team you're currently following. But I would say just you know be with your Lord, don't be afraid or yeah. don't be, um, yeah, don't be oppressed by the recognition that here is an opportunity to be with Him, even if that time is seemingly wasted yeah. or less efficient than you could make of it.
0: Well, I, that that whole concept of like wasting time and or wasting things in whatever capacity that they are, like that's not a problem, hmm. That that isn't a problem. We need to get away from this concept of efficiency. We need to get away from this concept of busyness. We need to get away from this concept of, I need to, I don't want to engage with people. Like that's that's kind of a tragedy. Like I was, we were traveling back from St. Louis and I was in line at the coffee shop in the airport and very easily, what's everybody doing? AirPods in, phones out, you know? And there was a, a flight attendant there and just simply, I said, okay, where, where are you off to? And we had this beautiful conversation about the four or five legs of her flight that mm-hmm. were on that day and her son who now wants to be a pastor and like talked about the faith and talked about all these moments just because it was a simple question. Yeah. You know, and I think that, you know, you go to airports, you go to those types of places and everybody is in their own world because of their phones yeah, yeah. and it, it's, it's a tragedy that we can't encounter each other when we see each other. So, um, not to like end on a sour note or anything, but it's like just a deep encouragement that don't be afraid. Like I think that people are really hungering for those chance encounters, really desiring to meet somebody and to not be afraid to actually have that conversation to initiate it and to smile. Mm -hmm. Like it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. All right. Well, thanks so much
1: for tuning in to this episode of God's Planning. That's what we prepared for you, and that's what came out, so that's what you get. Um, thanks to all of our supporters. If you'd like to tie to our work, please check us out at patreon.com slash If you would, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you could like, subscribe, and leave a five-star review, that all helps to get the word out so that others um, yeah, might encounter our Lord Jesus Christ through the preaching of the gospel. Uh, you'll check the show notes and you'll find links there for upcoming God's events and for God's planning merchandise. Uh, so the one event that we've announced to this point is our all comers retreat, which is to take place on June 16th through 18th in Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the Malvern retreat house, which is just outside of Philadelphia. And we fundraised for that this past year at the end of 2022. And people were super generous. So we're able to reduce the cost of that retreat to a more manageable figure than last year. So we hope to see many of you there so that way we can unplug together and invest in our relationships and seek thereby to encounter the Most High God. So know of our prayers for you. Please pray for us, and we'll look forward to chatting with you next time on God's Plan.